It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. I love the way uh, Larry Hogan, the governor of Maryland, says, you know, Trump's influence in the party is waning. And Larry Hogan's influence on the party never existed. Hogan wants to run in the Republican primary to show, you know, I guess. Show his colors, get famous. I don't know. You know, in Maryland, they have, uh, you folks have your primary tomorrow. I would vote against anybody Larry Hogan endorses. He's got one of his own hacks running. Former secretary of this or that. So, uh, if you're not going to nominate a concern, now's the time to do it, right? It's a tough state. Nobody denies that. It's a tough state. Well, we have a hero in Indiana. Best for you to hear this from the police chief in, uh, in Indiana, in Greenwood, Indiana. Jim Eisen at a press conference today. Cut one, go. The following is a, a timeline of events. We know that Mr. Sapperman, through surveillance video, entered the mall at entrance four by the food court at 4.54 p.m. He walks directly to the food court restroom. One hour and two minutes later, he exits the restroom and shoots Victor Gomez outside of the restroom. He then points his rifle into the food court where Pedro and Rosa Pineda were eating dinner and shot both Rosa and Pedro. He then fired several more rounds into the food court, uh, striking a 22-year-old female who is currently recovering from a leg wound at Eskenazi Hospital, and a bullet fragment believed to have ricocheted off of uh, a wall um, did strike a 12-year-old female who was running towards exit four uh, in the back. Uh, That was a minor wound treated at the hospital. They did remove a small piece of metal uh, jacket, uh, most likely from a ricochet. At 5.57 p.m., uh, the shooter was confronted by our Good Samaritan, who I will identify in just a moment. Uh, The Good Samaritan was armed with a pistol and engaged the uh, shooter as he stood outside the restroom area firing into the food court. The shooter fired several rounds, striking the suspect. The suspect attempted to retrieve back, retreat back into the restroom and fail, fell to the ground after being shot. Cut two. The Good Samaritan. Once again, he has authorized us to release his name. He is requesting you give him time to process uh, and, and grieve himself uh, before reaching out to him. His name is Elijah Dickin, and that is spelled E-L-I-S-J-S-H-A, and he resides in Seymour, Indiana. He was at the mall last night with his girlfriend, shopping. Cut three, go. I personally didn't speak to him. Um, I did watch the video, the surveillance video, which captured um, pretty much the entire incident. I will say um, his actions were... Nothing short of heroic. 
Um, he engaged the, the gunman from quite a distance with a handgun, uh, was very proficient in that, very tactically sound, and as he moved to uh, close in on the suspect, he was also motioning for people to exit behind him. Um, he has, to our knowledge, uh, he has no police training and no uh, military background. And this story will last for one day and then it'll die. Because I suspect this sort of thing happens often. Maybe not to this degree. Maybe not to this degree. Maybe in other ways. But here we have a young man, 22 years old, with a concealed carry. Thank God he's, he has his gun with him. He's proficient with the weapon. 22 years old, ladies and gentlemen. 22. And he takes out this killer who killed three people and would have killed many, many more, but for the hero. And this is why so many of us support the ability of citizens to carry weapons to protect themselves and their fellow citizens. This is why so many of us support trained, armed guards in our schools. Now compare this to what happened in Texas at Uvalde. Do you know the latest report says that up to 400 members of law enforcement were on the scene at one point, Mr. Producer? 400! And you watch the video of these guys. It, 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 it is disgusting to me. I mean, I'm no cop, obviously. I'm not trained in these things. But if you're shooting little kids, I'm going in. People say, I don't know what you would do, you know. and I know what I would do. It wouldn't matter. It just wouldn't. It's just uh, um, unbelievable. Confusion about who's in command, who's not in command. Okay. That's when the heroes step up. Who is in command in this mall? Nobody. Nobody. This young man, 22 years old, he knew what he had to do. And he did it. He's not even trained to do it. In a situation like that, it's kill or people die. Kill or be killed. Now I know this is harsh on the ears of the cringing left-wing goons out there. Who don't think this will ever happen to them. I got it. That they believe the Constitution is written by, you know, Jefferson, and who of course didn't write it, he wasn't even there, but Madison, whose names, whose homes have to be desecrated by some billionaire a-hole. Unbelievable. Do you know you wouldn't have a Bill of Rights but for James Madison? I've told this story before. You won't even hear this at James Madison's home during the tour. In addition to all the great things that man did. 
when the first Congress met, after the Constitution was eventually ratified, it was Madison who stood up and reminded the House of Representatives he'd been elected to the House from Orange County, Virginia, having defeated James Monroe. As a matter of fact, I've told you this story before, but still. And he reminded the members of the House that they had promised the states upon ratification of the Constitution that the, one of the first objectives for the new House of Representatives would be to address their concerns. Many of the states, I should say several of the states, would have voted against the Constitution. Except for that promise. But the House wasn't moving along to address it. So, Madison did. And he asked for a committee of the whole, meaning the whole House, and he was voted down, and they created a committee... And they put Madison as the chairman. And the committee came up with 17 amendments based on what the states had said in the past. Those were sent to the Senate. They whittled it down to 12, which were then adopted by the House. Two-thirds of both bodies and went to the states. And the states ratified the first 10 amendments. They didn't ratify all 12, they ratified 10 of them. And that's how you got the Bill of Rights. And that's not even in any of the tour guide comments or anything else when you go to Madison's home. Free speech, due process, warrants, probable cause, a takings clause, equal protection. On and on. The right to bear arms. It's truly unbelievable. It's grotesque. What these people are doing to our country. This billionaire, Rubenstein or Steen. People need to find out more about this guy. What's next? Mount Vernon? Washington's home? He's a big donor to them too. Looks like this... Multi-billionaire is systematically going through every one of these founders' homes and funding projects to destroy the message of the founding. To destroy it. And he was part of the Carlisle Group in Washington, D.C. And I'm just saying to Governor Yunkin, who I have great admiration for, I'm just reading that you want to be President of the United States, that you want to do MAGA without Trump, you got to have to do MAGA then. Period. You've only been governor about 14 minutes. Show us. Show us what you would do. Apparently this guy, Rubenstein, is a friend of yours. Well, call up your friend. This is the thing about DeSantis. You don't even have to give it a second thought. He knows right from wrong, good from evil. And he jumps in. You know, just jumps in. Takes care of business. I'm not putting anybody down. I just want to see more action here in Virginia. These homes are in Virginia. 
There's a lot of history in the state of Virginia. So many of the great founders lived in the state of Virginia. What next? They're going to go after Patrick Henry, who'd been governor, among other things? You watch. Because this is an entire program funded by a billionaire to destroy each and every one of these institutions. So the hero's name, Elijah Dickin, 22, of Seymour, Indiana. Shopping with his girlfriend at the Greenwood Park Mall. Shots rang out in the food court Sunday, just before 6 p.m. And he takes action into, and he takes it into his own hands. That's what you expect from a police officer in Uvalde, Texas. Parents are fighting to get in, and they're put under arrest, or they're physically prevented. I don't know a parent on the face of the earth that wouldn't give up their life to save their child. I don't know any. Don't get me wrong, I know there's evil, but you get my point. And honestly, I didn't know a police officer that would allow such things to happen either. Because 99.999% of them wouldn't. You watch these videos, it makes you sick to your stomach. I hope they will release the video where we can see Elijah Dickin. 22. And let that be a message to the would-be killers out there. That there are some of us that do carry weapons. And if we have to, we will use them against somebody who is killing our fellow citizens. Yeah, I've got all kinds of clips here on the systemic failures in Uvalde and the shooting. And I'm not going to play them all because it comes down to one thing. They're going to get into there was who was in command, there was dispute over command. They didn't show the guts to put this punk down. It was a Border Patrol agent with a shotgun who ran into the building. That's what ended it. And there were scores and scores of mistakes and opportunities to deal with this. Apparently, they say you fired 100 rounds in the first moments. 100 rounds. But that also means... The police heard 100 rounds, or somebody heard 100 rounds. Or they were told that there were 100 rounds. So it's not just the chief, although what a disgrace. Every one of those officers in that video, standing in that building, and not rushing to defend those children, they have to live with this. And every parent has to mourn this day in and day out for the rest of their lives. By the way, the Colbert Nine, the Colbert Nine, were in the Capitol building when they weren't supposed to be there, unattended. 
The U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C., who prosecutes every Republican he can find, dropped the charges against them. Be too difficult to prove, don't you know? We haven't proved a hell of a lot so far, Mr. Graves. All you have to do is threaten people with long, long jail time, jail sentences, and they'll agree to whatever it is you pressure them to agree to because they don't want to be away from their families for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And they don't want to be labeled insurrectionists. So you get them to plead to a misdemeanor crime, one or two, serve 60 days in jail because you have a whole bunch of judges that will do your bidding for you. It's pathetic. I don't care if they're appointed by Republicans or Democrats. It's the most damning thing to watch. Damning. 69-year-old woman. She was in the Capitol building for five minutes. Read this whole article. She didn't hurt anyone. She didn't commit any acts of violence. No, she shouldn't have been there. Judge sentenced her to 60 days, and she's a cancer patient. Her problem was she should have been writing comedy for Colbert, and the charges would have been dropped. Mark Levin. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Does it bother anybody out there that you had these reprobates arrested in front of the Supreme Court? 17 of them by my count. So-called Congress people? What do we call them? Uh, But in any event, and that AOC pretended to be in handcuffs. Did you see that, Mr. Producer? She pretends to be in handcuffs. And then she forgot, right. She let her guard down and then waved or pumped her fist in the air. And uh, this is who the media promote. She is an ambulance-chasing Marxist. That is, she wants attention. She's all drama. She's a nut. And they act like it's really hard to get arrested in front of the Supreme Court. They know that they'll be out in two seconds, like a rioter in 2020. 
when you get arrested in Russia, when you get arrested in China, when you get arrested in Cuba, Venezuela, Iran, Saudi Arabia, North Korea, when you get arrested in those countries and more, that's serious business. But when you have your hair done and your best clothes on and there's no creases in your clothes, you just had them all nice and cleaned and you're waving to the audience, you're waving to the cameras, you're pretending to be in handcuffs, you drop your papers, your talking points. Uh, What exactly are you doing? What exactly are you doing? See, these people are egomaniacs what they are they have contributed absolutely nothing to the benefit of this country even to the people they claim to represent and it is a truly perverse (coughs) excuse me obsession this abortion issue it's not good enough that states make decisions it's not good enough that you can travel to a blue state and do whatever you want it's to be compelled in every corner of the country And they never talk about the baby. They talk as if it doesn't exist. It's really quite remarkable. This is your United States Democrat Party. And now they want to destroy the Supreme Court, effectively burn it down, politically burn it down, in order to impose their abortion position on the entire country. Now, Jonathan Turley writes in The Hill that this next hearing on the January 6th committee is really the last chance to demonstrate exactly what crimes have been established. Now, as you know, I've been talking about this for some time, that we don't even know what crimes they're talking about. I think I said that as recently as uh, last night. Mr. Producer. What are we even talking about? And of course, what is it? All Donald Trump has done is not take the advice to commit crimes. Not take the advice of certain advisors, whether they're inside or outside. He hasn't done any of it. He didn't call out the military to take voting machines. He didn't call out the uh, Department of Homeland Security to take ballot boxes to have them checked. He didn't appoint Sidney Powell as special prosecutor. He made all these points. He didn't do any of it. Turley makes the same point today, which is important. And he also says, I don't even know what the hell law they're talking about. Here's what he says. And the reason he's given credibility is he's, he's smart, he's articulate, and he's a Democrat. The eighth and final scheduled hearing of the House January 6th Select Committee is scheduled for Thursday, and its members reportedly will present a timeline of events on that day, particularly the 187 minutes between the end of then-President Trump's speech on the ellipse and his call for supporters to leave the Capitol. I want you to keep in mind that most of the people on this committee have never denounced the threat against Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Not in 187 minutes, Not in two months. And none of them have denounced Chuck Schumer who threatened two Supreme Court justices. I want you to keep that in mind. 
And almost none of the Democrats denounced the 2020 BLM Antifa riots. Many of the Democrats made excuses for them. So keep that in mind. And of course, their hero, Barack Melhouse Benito Obama, was buddies with domestic terrorist bombers. Oh, yeah. It will again replay moments from the horrific to the heroic. What is not shown, what they've not shown us so far, however, is what was promised at the outset, a clear criminal case against Trump. And of course, that's not even their job. The start of the hearings, committee members promised they had the long-sought smoking gun evidence. New material that would close the circle on Trump. Committee member Adam Schiff, yeah, we remember him, indicated he thought there was now credible evidence to support a variety of criminal charges. Yeah, that's the guy who said they had evidence on Russia collusion. His colleague, Representative Jamie Raskin, said the committee would show that Trump organized a coup on January 6th. No sooner had the hearings begun when many in the media declared that the criminal case had been conclusively proven, even though most of what was being presented was already generally known. It sounded like a prayer that more like a prayer than proof. Former Nixon counsel John Dean said an indictment would be forthcoming because, quote, I don't see how the line prosecutors at the Department of Justice can't take a lot of this evidence and use it. Trump's in trouble. Trump's in trouble. We hear this before. For five years we've heard this. Harvard Law Professor Lawrence Tribe, he's lost it, said the question was only what would be charged first since Trump's felonies were shown, quote, without any doubt, beyond a reasonable doubt, beyond any doubt, and the crimes are obvious, unquote. That included an allegedly clear case of attempted murder of former Vice President Pence. That guy needs to go to the home. And on the eve of the primetime hearing this week, committee members sound strikingly less prosecutorial. Elaine Loria of Virginia told CNN, I look at it as a dereliction of duty. He didn't act. He didn't take action to stop the violence. It's difficult to make a criminal case over what an official failed to do, yet the last hearing seemed to focus on a number of things that did not occur. And later on, he makes the point. What is the crime? Even Heidi Heitkamp, he says, former prosecutor, former senator, said of the hearings that as a former prosecutor myself, everything that I've heard, I think it would be very tough to indict, to, indictment to get. And he says, it's not even clear after seven hearings what crime we're discussing. Conspiracy to insurrection claim of a second Trump impeachment has turned into accusations of obstruction of Congress. Seditious conspiracy? Oh, yeah. Saul Weisenheimer, he's concluded that. Conspiracy to defraud or the dereliction of duty suggested by committee members? What exactly are they talking about? Everything and nothing. Everything and nothing. However, he says the most damning evidence concerned what Trump failed to do in those 187 minutes. Trump has stressed that he told his reporters to go to the Capitol peacefully to support Republicans challenging the election. At 1.11 p.m., Trump concluded his speech. Around 2.10 p.m., people surged up to the Capitol steps. Actually, that's not correct. People were at the Capitol steps, some of them trying to break in before Trump even finished his speech. At 4.17 p.m., Trump made his statement to stop roughly an hour and a half later. Many have denounced that delay. Some... Some of us, he says, were critical of Trump's speech as he was giving it 
or soon after it ended, his was a failure of leadership, but that does not mean it was a violation of the criminal code. And there you have it from a Democrat. So what's going on here, folks? What's going on? Well, this committee does hope that there'll be an indictment. But that is, in fact, something they're pushing hard. But if it comes to no indictment, they're preparing a report. They're preparing a report that will, in effect, be their indictment of Donald Trump. Why does that matter? Go back to January 6th of this year something I've talked about as well. Piece in the New York Post. Democrats explore barring Trump from holding office over January 6th riot. What does this mean? Written by Kaylee Patterson, a handful of congressional Democrats are investigating whether former President Donald Trump can be prevented from holding office again through the application of an obscure portion of the 14th Amendment. You see, they hate the Constitution, but they use it to destroy it. Section 3 of the Amendment, enacted in 1868 and best known for enshrining the Equal Protection Clause, prevents any government official who, quote, engaged in insurrection or rebellion, unquote, against the U.S. from holding office again. Why do you think the Democrats and their media keep using the word insurrection? It's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. It's in the 14th Amendment, Section 3. According to The Hill, approximately a dozen Democratic lawmakers have publicly or privately spoken about applying Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to Trump, whom they accuse of inciting the January 6th riot that disrupted the congressional certification of the 2020 election results. And you can see seven months later, that's exactly what they're doing. This is the plan. They get an indictment, that's frosting on the cake, right? But this is the plan. Quote, if anything, the idea has waxed and waned, liberal Harvard Law School professor Emeritus Lawrence Tribe told the outlet. You already heard from him. I hear it being raised with considerable frequency these days, both by media commentators and by members of Congress and their staffs. Some of them have sought my advice on how to implement Section 3. Now notice you haven't heard it raised at all in months. It's the plan. Tribe has met with the staffs of representatives Jamie Raskin. Jamie Raskin is doing a lot behind the scenes with left-wing groups. He's a commie. His father was a commie with left-wing groups and so forth. Member of the House Select Committee investigating the right, Jerry Nadler, Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, and Debbie Wasserman Schultz. The offices of all three members did not immediately respond to the New York Post request for comment. It's unclear what mechanism will be used to apply Section 3 to Trump, they write. Some experts say the House and Senate could vote by a simple majority to find the 45th president engaged in insurrection against the government. Others, including Professor Tribe, say the determination would need to be made by a federal court or a neutral fact-finding body. Well, he has no idea. Nobody has any idea. But the goal is to pursue something that's never been pursued. 
and hope that it ends the way they want it to. But in either way, they'll smear him. Some left-wing groups are also exploring the possibility of applying the amendment without going through Congress. One such group, Free Speech for the People, has urged state election officials to apply the amendment if Trump decides to run for president again, which would prevent his name from showing up on ballots. Quote, just as states are permitted, if not required, to exclude from the presidential ballot a candidate who's not a natural-born citizen, who is underage, or who has previously been elected twice as president, so too states should exclude from the ballot a candidate such as Mr. Trump, who previously swore to support the Constitution, but then engaged in insurrection. The group wrote in a letter sent to chief election officials in all 50 states last summer. While Trump has not formally announced his intent to run, it goes on. That's the game plan. I wanted to dust it off and remind you, that is the game plan. Succeed or not, that is the game plan. That's what the committee's doing. That's why Dizzy Lizzie is constantly saying she doesn't want Trump anywhere near the White House, that he's a threat to democracy. That's why they keep talking about the insurrection over and over and over again. Those who say you can't tie this to Trump criminally, and I'm one of them, of course, but some say that, but will in fact embrace this. Insurrection. Now you're going to hear people writing about this, or hear them talking about this now that I've brought it up. Now that I've reminded you. But this is the game plan. Because it's, it's a lot easier than, than a conviction on an indictment. It's much more political because they don't need any criminal processes to do this. There's no due process, nothing. It's much easier for Pelosi to set up a rogue committee made up of only individuals she approved of. One side investigation. No opposition. And then they conclude that Donald Trump was part of a violent insurrection. And they're even going to make the case, if they have to, by failing to stop it. Engaged in insurrection or rebellion, quote-unquote. And of course, the Democrat Party and their surrogates are constantly involved in an insurrection and rebellion. It's endless. That's who they are. That's what they believe in. That's the game plan. Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, enacted in 1868, often referred to as the Equal Protection Clause, but it's much more than that. And of course, what it meant was anybody engaged in insurrection or rebellion, they were talking about the Civil War. But that doesn't matter to the never-Trumpers, the rhinos, and of course the Democrats and their Marxists. That doesn't matter. The Constitution is a plaything. Shred it, if you will. Use it, if you will. Abuse it, if you will. It doesn't matter. This is what's going on. And the whole nation needs to know this is what's taking place. So when you listen to these hearings, or even clips of these hearings on my show or elsewhere, keep this in mind. The backbenchers will talk about it tomorrow and the next day. 
without attribution. You know, they attack Joe Biden, but in many ways, they're much the plagiarist that Joe Biden has been throughout his life. It's an amazing thing. But the hell with it. When you listen to the hearings now and the clips now and you put that in context, then you see what they're doing. They want him indicted, yes. But indicted or not, the insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment. That's where they're going. Mark Levin. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. What is this national climate emergency crap? That this head case Biden goes out there and screams about, I'm going to use executive powers, national climate emergency. These people in Congress aren't acting, so I will. In other words, he's going to legislate a legislature of one. Because Congress won't give him what he wants. And the Democrats, of course, when they don't get what they want, they're furious with the Supreme Court. They're furious with the filibuster. They're furious with Manchin. They're furious with how we vote and the Electoral College. So everything needs to be burned down. Everything needs to be fundamentally altered to accommodate their radical, extremist, Marxist agenda. Is that about it? They are more totalitarian and authoritarian than you could imagine. They keep trying to project that onto Trump and onto DeSantis and onto conservatives. What liars? What liars? This clown in the Oval Office, he's destroyed our immigration laws, an impeachable offense. He's destroyed Title IX, protecting women and their equal access of sports. An impeachable offense. He has used executive... (laughs) Excuse me, it's cholera. He has used executive orders to all but destroy the oil and gas industries. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. And then the most outrageous accusations about those who disagree with them Right wing, don't you know? MAGA, no, excuse me, ultra MAGA. Mr. Ultra Dementia. Just look at these fools. They can't manage a damn thing. The economy is crumbled. Our energy system is crumbled. Our border is crumbled. Our currency is crumbling. The housing market's crumbling. Our alliances are crumbling. Our enemies are on the move. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. Joe Biden has all the answers. 36 years in the Senate, what did he accomplish? Nothing. Eight years as vice president, nothing. He has around him the most destructive, evil, radical Marxists, starting with this Susan Rice. And she's not the only one. You've got Obamanoids all over the place. Look at the corrupt United States Department of Injustice. Look at the corrupt U.S. Attorney Graves. 
Oh, he's not corrupt? Then what is he? What is he? The blaze. Capitol Police chief fires back. If the U.S. attorney refuses to charge Stephen Colbert's staff arrested at Capitol Office building, writes Chris Enlow. How come? How come? I mean, they throw a very wide net on people they're charging, old women who have cancer treatment. What if you're from Hollywood and you work with Stephen Colbert, the U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C., Graves, who is a Democrat hack, just like his wife. That's right, pal. And Garland, the U.S. Attorney General? The United States Capitol Police revealed new details today alleging Stephen Colbert's staffers repeatedly disobeyed instructions from Capitol Police officers prior to their arrest. Repeatedly. The news came one day after the U.S. Attorney's Office declined to charge the staffers whom the Capitol Police referred to as the Colbert Nine. Capitol Police Chief J. Thomas Manger explained in a letter the production crew was arrested in the Longworth House office building after a staffer for Representative Jamal Bowman, Democrat in New York, secured his office and called the United States Capitol Police emergency phone number to report a disturbance outside the office next to Bowman's. That office belonged to Representative Lauren Boebert, Republican Colorado. Why were they there? Because they're a bunch of cheap punks who go after women with whom they disagree. Do you remember me? Do you remember me? A man with the production crew reportedly shouted outside Boebert's door. It's me. We're going to leave something under your door. A member of the production crew told responding officers they were credentialed press, but none of the production crew had congressional press ID. Neither were they accompanied by a congressional staff member, Manger explained. So they were not credentialed staff. They were not accompanied by a congressional staff member. They lied. They lied to law enforcement. The group needed both to be in the building. Even worse, the group had already been escorted out of different buildings. The Cannon Office Building, earlier in the day, when a Capitol Police officer stopped the group for not having press credentials or a staff escort. Now, when officers confronted the production crew, group leader Jake Plunkett told officers they were in the building to film comedy skits for Colbert's show. They had planned to film outside the offices. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, Representatives Jim Jordan and Marjorie Taylor Greene, Boy, what a comedy show, you notice? No, not much political diversity. The crew admitted they were, quote, pretending to leave notes, unquote, under the office's doors, but did not actually leave any. The note was allegedly an invitation to a cocaine orgy, the chief of the Capitol Police said. Prior to the incident, the production crew applied for press credentials, but were denied. Plunkett, according to Manger, declined to appeal the decision because he knew the production crew would not qualify as press. Manger condemned the U.S. Attorney's Office for failing to criminally charge the production crew, and they broke the law. Quote, it is unfortunate that despite all of the evidence the department presented, including that the group or its leader had been told several times that they could not be in the buildings without an escort, 
that the U.S. Attorney's Office declined to prosecute any members of the group for unlawful entry, said the chief of the Capitol Police, Manger. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia released a statement on Monday claiming prosecutors were not moving forward with the case because the evidence was not enough to secure convictions. But the chief's letter calls in the question that decision because the evidence shows the production crew knew they were not supposed to be inside the office building and even allegedly lied about being credentialed press. The Blaze has reached out to the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia seeking a response to the chief's letter. Now, what do you think of that? What do you think of that? Refused to charge these people. Why? Because they were going to mock Republicans. Because they were going to mock Republicans. Because they like Colbert, who is a outspoken Democrat and partisan. Because Mr. Graves, the U.S. attorney, is a political hack. Only prosecuting old ladies and old men and veterans, cops and others who are on the Capitol grounds or even in the Capitol building and didn't do anything to victimize or damage anyone or anything, several of whom were waved in by Capitol Police officers. But the Cobra 9 were not waved in. They were told time and again that they didn't have press credentials, even though they lied. They were told time and again to leave. But they didn't. And the U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C. says there's not enough to charge them on. What do you think about that, America? Privileged Democrats in Hollywood... Privileged Democrats on TV. Just pathetic. These people should have been sent to jail immediately while awaiting awaiting arraignment, or if they were arraigned, awaiting their turn at trial, whether it takes 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, or 180 days. Just like the people on January 6th. They should have experienced the inside of a cell. They should have experienced the inside of a cell in Washington, D.C. And he could have brought his puppet dog with him. But the U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C. is corrupt. Ideologically and politically corrupt. The media build him up. But this guy Graves is a fraud. An absolute fraud. And Mr. Graves, if you'd like to come on the program and defend yourself, then do so. You go on other shows. If you'd like to come on the program and explain why you gave a pass in this case, but not in the case of a 69-year-old woman who is a cancer patient, then explain it. But you won't, because you're a coward. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're a tough guy bully when you have the power of federal law behind you and all the resources. But otherwise, you're a coward. You're a Democrat hack. Mark Levin.
great one makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. I wish I had a magic wand, and I wish I could compel the blue states to take on all the proposals from the blue state representatives. And they do them first for 20 or 30 years, and let's see how it works out. No fossil fuels, endless abortions, massive inflation leading to depression, illegal aliens everywhere, no industries with smokestacks, shutting down roads and bridges that are in quote-unquote communities where there's discrimination, racist roads and bridges. I really do wish that all of this could be borne by the blue states that are trying to impose it on everybody else. Where their children are taught to hate each other. Where their children are taught that their gender is not really their gender. Where parents have absolutely no rights in what their kids are taught. Where everybody has to wear a mask and have wear a mask all the time. Where the medical fascists call the shots after talking to the Democrat politicians and their unions. Where police are defunded or at least their budgets are slashed. Why don't we do this? Isn't it sad? Isn't it sad? Oh, wait a minute. We have done it. It's called California. It's called New York. But you get my point, right? So what's the latest with Hunter Biden? This is Evan Perez, and Evan Perez never lies at CNN. Why? Nobody even knows who Evan Perez is. Nonetheless, the federal investigation into Hunter Biden's business activities is nearing a critical juncture as investigators weigh possible charges and prosecutors confront Justice Department guidelines to generally avoid bringing politically sensitive cases close to an election, according to people briefed on the matter. Is Joe Biden up for election? Well, no final decision has been made on whether to bring charges against Joe Biden's son. Sources say the probe has intensified in recent months, along with discussions among Delaware-based prosecutors, investigators running the probe, and officials at Justice Department headquarters. Just give the matter to the U.S. Attorney of Washington, D.C. He'll know how to kill it in two minutes. He'll treat it like an abortion. David Weiss, the U.S. Attorney in Delaware, is leading the probe which dates back to as early as 2018. Discussions recently have centered around possibly bringing charges that could allege tax violations and make a false statement in connection with Biden's purchase of a firearm at a time he would have been prohibited from doing so because of his acknowledged struggles with drug addiction. No, he was a coke addict. The investigation of the president's son has loomed large among the politically fraught issues Merrick Garland faces as Attorney General. Weiss is one of a handful of appointees of former President Donald Trump who were kept on by Biden administration because they were overseeing politically sensitive investigations. Adding to the pressure, Republicans in Congress have already announced that if they take over the House, so it's now Republicans and Trump. CNN immediately makes the turn to Republicans and Trump. This guy, in my view, 
We'll see what comes out. But even so far, has taken the tax code and turned it into spaghetti. Spaghetti. This guy did not sign up as a foreign agent. That was used against Trump people. Manafort, among others. This guy concealed his drug addiction when purchasing a firearm. And God knows what else this guy has done. The problem is, doesn't a lot of this lead to the old man? That is, if you're investigating Hunter Biden in his receipt of tens of millions of dollars, and his brother, the whole Biden crime family, and on top of that, all the connections with Joe and all the wealth Joe had and so forth and so on. Doesn't the investigation necessitate a look at Biden's finances? That is the old man, Mr. 10%. Mr. Producer, and I don't think he's around. You want to see if Peter Schweitzer is around? It's hard to get people at the last second because they're often traveling and stuff like that but nonetheless we'll try because seems to me that Hunter Biden's tied at the hip with the other Bidens he not only used Joe Biden's name he used Joe Biden he was on the plane with Joe Biden going to China Joe Biden interfered in Ukraine to chase off a prosecutor Joe Biden was said to get 10% You have an eyewitness who went on the record, even said so. There's all kinds of stuff on this laptop. The media did everything it could to cover up for the Bidens, which is a big red flag, of course. Marxist red flag, in fact. Also potentially in play, says this article, are Justice Department guidelines governing Politically sensitive investigations during an election year, current and former justice officials say there's an unwritten rule that prosecutors avoid bringing politically sensitive cases within 60 days of an election. Isn't that interesting, Mr. Producer? Have you heard that mentioned by anybody on the January 6th committee? Have you, America? Have you heard a single reporter at CNN or elsewhere push back and say, wait a minute, Garland can't and won't charge Trump or anybody in the Trump circle because of this understood arrangement that you can't make politically sensitive cases so close to an election. It's the first time we've heard this. True or not? How come they flop that right in the middle of this story? Hello, legal analysts on TV, pay attention, I'm educating you. And yet, when it comes to Trump, it's uh, indict, indict. Oh, look at all these crimes. No crimes. Uh, look at all these crimes. That's so why I remember what I explained yesterday, the insurrection provision of the 14th Amendment. Some current and former justice officials have debated whether the rules necessary apply in this instance. Since Joe Biden isn't on the ballot in the midterms, a lawyer 
for Hunter Biden declined to comment. The U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware declined to comment. Of course they have, you moron. They'd rather leak. Hunter Biden has not been charged with any crimes and has previously denied any wrongdoing. His father's not being investigated as part of the probe, they assure us, of his son's business activities, according to sources who have been briefed. Well, that is outrageous. The department initially focused on Hunter Biden's financial and business activities in foreign countries dating to when Joe Biden was vice president. It's like the January 6th committee again. Don't touch Pelosi. This investigation. Don't touch Joe Biden. But investigators have examined a swath of broader conduct, including whether Hunter Biden associates violated money laundering, campaign finance, tax and foreign lobbying laws, as well as whether Hunter Biden broke federal firearm and other regulations, multiple sources said. As the investigation has entered into final stages, prosecutors have narrowed their focus to tax and gun-related charges, the people say. Tax and gun-related. That, see, that's the way they exclude Joe. The money laundering is the way that you include Joe. Campaign finance is the way you include Joe. Justice officials have debated the strength of the case for months and have held discussions about whether more work is needed before deciding on possible charges. Discussions have involved investigators from the FBI and the IRS Criminal Investigation Agency, prosecutors in Delaware, and at Justice Department headquarters. Hunter Biden has publicly discussed his own substance abuses and so forth. Some officials have noted that Biden could argue he wasn't aware of wrongdoing because he was on drugs. Excuse me? CNN has previously reported that some officials were concerned it could be a defense, but more recently, DOJ officials have coalesced around the view of Biden's own public accounts of his recovery, showing he was fully responsible for actions now under scrutiny. In the meetings, officials also discussed the timing of any possible indictment given the sensitivity of bringing a politically connected case close to an election. Now, Justice Department memoranda, that's more than one, advise prosecutors against bringing any cases or taking any overt investigative steps with the purpose of impacting an election or providing an advantage or disadvantage to any candidate. That's the whole thing of the January 6th investigation. So don't hand me this crap. It's all intended to be political. The criminalization of politics. Now listen to this. Garland issued a memo in May to prosecutors reiterating the department's stance on election year sensitivities. The memo is one of attorneys general, is one attorneys general send every election year and generally advises prosecutors about avoiding making major investigative or charging decisions near an election to avoid the perception of partisan politics. Again, I say... How come this hasn't been reported and pressed when it comes to the January 6th committee? You won't hear any of these uh, loads, excuse me, any of these phony uh, journalists mention this, I doubt. In 2018, the last year of congressional midterm elections, prosecutors with the U.S. Attorney's Office of Manhattan charged two politically sensitive cases in August. One against Michael Cohen, Trump's former personal attorney, What's he doing now? What's he doing now, Mr. Producer? Is he working at a movie theater? 
7-Eleven? Not that there's anything wrong with that, of course. And another against Chris Collins, then a Republican congressman and early Trump supporter, was up for re-election. Both cases. Prosecutors made their charging decisions with the elections in mind. People familiar with the cases said Cohen pleaded guilty for this, that, and the other. Collins won his re-election even though he was under indictment, later pleaded guilty and resi- resigned his seat, sentenced to 26 months. He was pardoned by President Trump. Now, this is interesting. What to do? We're in such a quagmire. Should we charge Hunter? If we do, we need to really limit it, you know, to taxes and uh, failing to, you know, properly register with his gun. That is, concealing information. We can't do the money laundering stuff, the campaign stuff. Because that may drag in the old man, Mr. 10%. Hmm, very, very interesting. Oh, it's close to an election. We can only charge people in MAGA country. We can only charge the Bannons of the world and the Varos of the world. Yes, yes. And there's so much there to charge President Trump, according to every half-assed moron with a legal degree, and even those who've lost their legal degrees, like John Dean or Michael Cohen. Think about it, folks. This article just reveals that Merrick Garland put out a statement, I hadn't seen it, in May, press now resorts to pointing it out. It says, be careful, you know, before elections. It's going to be very sensitive, you know, about bringing cases. But that only applies to the Bidens, only about not, not to Trump. Because, you know, Trump's not in office. We don't know if he's running for office. It's the midterm elections. You know, that's different. Just like Colbert, the Colbert 9. That's different. Yeah, come on. Everybody knows that's different. How do you know? Joe Scarborough. I heard Joe Scarborough. Joe Scarborough is one flatulence moment after another. Except the difference is he's wired differently than than the rest of you. Comes out of his mouth. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best. The best of Mark Levin. The January 6th committee has been dropping a centipede full of shoes, wouldn't you say? Everywhere. All over the place. It's been unbelievable. We still don't have a single sentence, a single text, a single email, a single record of any kind. Nothing. A single video of a single deposition. Nothing. We have nothing that ties the President of the United States to fomenting an insurrection. We have nothing. But tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we have the 8th Public King prime time. And I'm proud to say Fox will not be covering it live prime time, and I will be on Hannity tonight around 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. But notice 
how the propaganda has already begun. What? What was Donald Trump doing during the 187 minutes from the time the Capitol was breached to the time he released his video? First of all, we don't, we don't know when the clock starts, do we? But why are they using 187 minutes rather than three hours and seven minutes? Because it sounds a long time. Why don't they say, what was Donald Trump doing during 11,220 seconds? What was he doing? It took him 11,220 seconds to release his video, ladies and gentlemen. Dereliction of duty. Well, should he have triggered the Insurrection Act? He was told to never trigger the Insurrection Act. No, couldn't do that. He offered the National Guard. Well, they didn't take him up on that. Well, what's the president supposed to do? He even offered to go to Capitol Hill. Remember when he was, as Mr. Producer calls it, choking out the Secret Service driver? Of course, he never was. But just, just play along. He said, take me to the Capitol. No, there's armed people. We can't do that. We can't do that, Mr. President. I told them to call out the National Guard, but they turned you down, Mr. President. I told our folks to to protest peacefully. But nobody believes you, Mr. President. You waited 11,220 seconds. 11,220 seconds to put out the video. You're in action. There's a dereliction of duty. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we already have a buildup to this hearing by the press. Even some of my colleagues in the press that are so excited about this, they already burned their popcorn. And the panel has made it clear they're going to show with specially cherry-picked video They're going to show Trump supporters. They're going to show the most important and fantastic witnesses in the history of witness number. And you better not question them. You're obviously part of the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers or some white supremacist group yet to be disclosed. What the hell's going on here? Exactly what I said. The 14th Amendment to the Constitution. Oh, yes. Insurrection. The word is actually in Section 3. Insurrection. Trump led an insurrection. Now we have Merritt Garland, a.k.a. Meritless Garland. He had a press conference today. Of course he did. Excuse me, yesterday. And he was asked about January 6th, and he made it abundantly clear. He will not tolerate lawlessness. Unless, of course, it's the Biden family. Cut nine, go. No person is above the law in this country. Nothing stops us. No, I don't know how to, maybe I'll say that again. No person is above the law in this country. I can't say it any more clearly than that. There is nothing in the principles of prosecution and any other factors which prevent us from investigating anyone, anyone who's criminally responsible uh, for, for a, a, a 
an attempt to undo a democratic election. Oh, I see. So he's already made a conclusion. You can investigate anyone, including anyone who's criminally responsible. That is an affirmative assertion for an attempt to undo a democratic election. It's amazing. But we do also know, of course, ladies and gentlemen, that Joe Biden apparently is immune from investigation. He hasn't been investigated yet. Cut 10, go! We do not do our investigations in public. This is the most wide-ranging investigation and, and, and the most important investigation that the Justice Department has ever entered into. And we have done so because this, represent, this effort to uh, upend a legitimate election, uh, transferring power from one administration to another, cuts at the fundamental uh, of American democracy. We have to get this right. All right, so and- ladies and gentlemen, I think this portends, if there's any way they can do it, this portends charges. You heard what he said. We don't do it in public, and then he makes this fairly heavy-duty public statement. It's the most wide-ranging investigation, the most important investigation the Justice Department has ever entered into, really. How about the assassination of John Kennedy? Shouldn't that have been the most widely conducted investigation in the department history? I'm just, just a couple of examples. How about efforts to blow up the Capitol building and the Pentagon? Right? The 1960s and 70s by radical groups associated with close, close, dear friends of Barack Obama. Shouldn't that have been the most wide-ranging investigation? How about the shooting up of the Capitol? Literally shooting members of the House of Representatives in the 1950s by a Puerto Rican terrorist separatist group. That seems to me that should have been an awfully wide-ranging investigation. No? I don't know, Merrick. Meritless Garland, what about the investigation of Russia collusion that was used to try and bring down a president and even triggered a criminal investigation, a special counsel? Shouldn't that have been part of the most wide-ranging investigation in the history of the Justice Department? No, ladies and gentlemen, this is the most important investigation in history, so important that Nancy Pelosi has picked nine slugs to do her bidding. So important that the Republicans, the real Republicans, don't have a seat on this committee. So important that they're using Stalinist tactics, not our traditional system of justice, even for the House. No, 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 no. We can't have a legitimate congressional investigation, and we can't have a legitimate U.S. attorney investigation. We have to get this right, which means we've got to get Trump by hook or by crook. My God, we tried for five years, you know. We leaked on the guy. We used the FBI against the guy. We used the FISA court against the guy. We used our intel agencies against the guy. We use major blue-chip Washington law firms against the guy. 
We put a phony dossier together against the guy. We tied him to the Russians. We had two impeachments against the guy. Even after he left office, we had a two-year criminal investigation against the guy. And now that he's out of office, we're still focused on the guy. 187 minutes, a.k.a. 11,220 seconds. What did Trump do? Now let me ask you a question. If Donald Trump was leading an insurrection, why would he have put out that video at all, Mr. Producer? 187 minutes, 11,220 seconds, three hours and seven minutes. What's the difference? Would he put out a different kind of video? Encouraging more people to attack the Capitol building? From all over the country? Wouldn't he have announced that there's an insurrection underway? Please join us? Wouldn't he have said that? Wouldn't he have said everybody who is armed within the sound of my voice, who believes in this insurrection, please join us? Join us now as quickly as possible? Wouldn't he have given some contrary orders to the United States military? Rather than protecting the Capitol building, as he suggested two days earlier, wouldn't he tell them to surround it and arrest his vice president and arrest members of Congress? Wouldn't he do that? That's what a real insurrection would look like. That's what a real insurrection would look like. But don't worry. Meritless Garland's on the job. U.S. Attorney Graves. Dizzy. Lizzie, self-important Cheney, head case Kingsinger, and Pelosi behind the scenes working the room. 